Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. We are post-game from Texas's 52-10 win over Louisiana Monroe in the season opener. Number one, Alabama, up next, coming to DKR a week from Saturday, along with college game day, Taylor. Of course, I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns 24-7, Taylor Estes. I'm so excited about talking about actual football that I forgot to introduce us, Taylor. That's that's not good. Um, <laughs> but how about game day coming for Alabama? And Fox is broadcasting the game. So Joel Klatt and um, Gus Johnson and the Fox Big Noon uh, kickoff show will be in Austin for Texas, Alabama. Everybody's going to be here, Taylor. Um, and... It is after midnight on on Saturday after Texas's season opening win, uh, and Quinn Ewers just announced that uh, his car was towed during the game. <laughs> He's he posted on uh, his social media. How did I get towed during the game? So those uh, <laughs> Texas parking and transportation services people are brutal. Like, I mean, how many times like we pay for our parking permits, like being media. And it's not like, it's not cheap and we don't get great permits. And I can't, like, I'd never had a parking ticket in my entire life until I started parking on campus covering Texas football with a paid for media parking permit. And it's like, I park exactly where they tell us to. And it's usually on average three times a season, at least I get a parking ticket. So well, and the reason that is significant <laughs> is because Taylor went to Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and was a student there and did not get a parking ticket while a student. Never. But now Maybe. that she's paying big bucks to park on campus, we're getting parking tickets. But hey, yeah, that is neither here nor there. Enough about us. Let's get to the Longhorns. And the Longhorns uh, did what they were supposed to do, Taylor. They handled business against an overwhelming opponent that they paid a million dollars to come to Austin and get uh, handled by the Texas Longhorns. And I, I think there are a few things that are significant. Obviously there was a lot of excitement and anticipation heading into this game because you got a new quarterback in Quinn Ewers, uh, one of the highest rated recruits, uh, you know, perfect rating uh, as a quarterback in that 2021 class. And then you had two freshman starters on the offensive line. You had uh, a new look Texas defense with, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski getting uh, assistance from former TCU coach Gary Patterson. So there's a lot to get into. And of course, on special teams, they score the first touchdown of the season. Special teams puts the first points on the board as Deshaun Jamison uh, blocks a punt and Keelan Robinson picks up the ball off the turf, runs it in for a touchdown. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian said in his post game that uh, Jeff Banks, the special teams coordinator, told Deshaun Jamison, you're going to block this punt if ULM lines up the way we think they're going to line up. And sure enough, I mean, Deshaun Jamison was like on uh, the punter's foot. The ball went nowhere and Keelan Robinson just picked it up and ran it in uh, for the first points of the season, Taylor. Yeah, I think that most Texas fans probably would not have expected the first points of the season for Texas to come on special teams, um, especially. Who had that prop bet? 
Yeah, exactly. And especially the fact that Deshaun Jameson was, you know, instrumental in special teams putting up the first points and he wasn't returning the ball. And Steve Sarkeesian did talk about that in in his post-game press conference about how Deshaun Jameson has really always been viewed as in, um, you know, a weapon in special teams as a returner because he's so quick and, you know, Texas fans have watched him. Um, I mean, I think he's had a few house calls, I'm pretty sure, but if not, at least uh, close to it. And so, you know, for him to go through and, um, you know, show that he's been a versatile, you know, special teams player that that was instrumental. And, and it's kind of ironic, Chip, when you think about the, when we talked to Jeff Banks earlier before fall camp started, the special teams coordinator, he talked about how Keelan Robinson, you know, they're, they're not as concerned about using Keelan Robinson as a specialist because number one, he is one of the best special teams players that he felt they have on the team. He's just like ruthless out there. And number two, because of the running back depth being so, uh, so strong that they were like, yeah, we can, we can set, you know, Keelan Robinson loose and look what happens, you know, first special teams play of the season, he scoops and scores a touchdown that Deshaun Jameson um, had blocked. So it was a good start from there. Obviously, Chip, the, the first offensive series, the first defensive series was solid too. Let's, I don't want to overlook that first offensive series was um, a forgettable <laughs> series, I would say, but you know, Quinn Ewers had the um, he went over two with one with an interception. That was a really poorly uh, poor decision. I would say a freshman mistake that you saw in the first series, but he, uh, according to Steve Sarkeesian, kept his even keeled nature coming out of it. Didn't let it really shake him. And then, you know, he goes on to finish um, 16 of 24 for 225 yards and two touchdowns. So, um, you know, it wasn't perfect, I would say, Chip, but I think that there was a lot of positive takeaways that Texas can use um, to build for the future may not be next week against Alabama, but there there were some positive signs, I think, in this week week one opener. What what was your biggest takeaways? Yeah, I totally agree with you. By the way, uh, we talked about Shane Bouchelle's 2016 numbers being a good measuring stick for Quinn Ewers and that um, Shane Bouchelle threw for two touchdowns with one interception in his debut against Notre Dame. Back in 2016, Quinn Ewers, two touchdowns, one interception in his debut. Um, And Taylor, yeah, I think let's start there with Quinn Ewers. Obviously, there's a lot to get into with Quinn Ewers. Um, His second pass as a Longhorn was a terrible decision, as you said, into traffic. I mean, there were three Texas receivers surrounded by four ULM defenders. So I'm not quite sure what... (laughs) Quinn Ewers was thinking, but obviously there are scripted plays. He's probably been thinking about that play and, oh, I can squeeze it in there. He couldn't. Uh, he gets intercepted and it leads to a field goal um, for for ULM. And fortunately, because of that special teams touchdown we just talked about, Texas uh, had a 7-3 lead uh, after ULM turns that uh, interception into a field goal. But what you loved about Quinn Ewers after that was – he he completed eight straight passes at one point, um, including a fourth a fourth down conversion. He had two fourth down pass conversions. Um, he, he had a third down conversion to to Gunnar Helm. He had the 19 yard touchdown pass 
uh, to uh, Jatavian Sanders. And Jatavian Sanders is the other revelation on, on this offense tonight. He was the leading receiver. He was the wow factor in the receiving game. People would be like, oh man, what happened to Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy? Well, it was a pretty vanilla um, game plan because they've got Alabama next week. They're not going to show all their their good stuff with their – I mean, they did throw a couple deep shots to, to Worthy. It didn't – they didn't connect. There was a lot of catch and run tonight. Uh, Casey Kane had the longest play of the game, and it was a catch and run for 43 yards. Um, you know, there was a point where Quinn Ewers was running – you know, extending the play and Jatavian Sanders was blocking and then ended up like two yards from him. And he just flicked the ball to him and Jatavian Sanders ran down the field for a, a nice gain. And probably the best pass of the game was that 25 yard seam route from Quinn Ewers to Jatavian Sanders with the defenders, you know, hand right in the way. It was a tiny window, a uh, great throw, great catch. And the next play, Bijan Robinson runs in a jaw-dropping nine-yard touchdown run in which he, you know, makes a defensive lineman miss. He jukes a defensive back. He stiff arms a linebacker, gets in to the end zone, you know, with defenders bouncing off of him left and right. It was it was amazing. So you had big plays from Quinn Ewers after the interception. He settled down. He got it. He got it going. Jatavian Sanders looks like. The guy with the best hands on the team, Taylor, uh, Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Jonathan Brooks, all score. In fact, Roshan Johnson's first carry of the game was a 16-yard touchdown run. All that guy does is make plays. <laughs> and and I thought the freshman offensive lineman, Kelvin Banks, Cole Hudson, looked good. Uh, Kelvin Banks limped off the field for one play, came back in, and a few plays later is, is a fourth down completion where he and Hayden Connor combined to pick up a a stunt uh, by ULM and it allows Quinn Ewers enough time to complete that fourth down pass. So I thought there was a lot of good things about the offense tonight. I agree with you. And I think that baby steps with the offensive line and honestly, probably a little bit with Quinn Ewers as well is what you should expect. You hope for bigger things, but you should expect probably baby steps. And I would say that the, the offense, I haven't, you know, I have a pro football focus, account. I haven't had a chance to look at um, the detailed stats. As Chip said, we're recording right now at 1240 a.m. on Sunday. So after the game, um, but I did I did feel like the offensive line, there weren't those issues where in the past where you're just like, oh, my gosh, you know, like and it just seems to be like a, a common occurrence with Texas offensive lines in recent years. I didn't really see that. I will say one thing, Chip, when um the offensive line, there was a play, I think it was in, I believe it was in the fourth, it was in the second half, I know that, I think it was in the third, like late third, fourth quarter, but Christian Jones, um, number 93 on ULM's defense, had got after Hudson Card, it was when Hudson Card came into the game, sacked him, and he kind of, you know, like, celebrated a little bit over Hudson Card, and Christian Jones came in there and, like, pushed him out of the way, 
and like the, the 90 number 93 on ULM, like kind of got in Christian Jones, pushed him back. Well, the next play, if you watch Christian Jones on that play, he went after 93, like got 93 to the ground and kept going after him. And I saw that and I was like, finally, finally, there is some dog in the offensive line play. Cause there were so many times last season where I feel like the quarterbacks, like Texas quarterbacks, both Hudson Card and Casey Thompson were getting hit. And it was like, the offensive line is like, oh, good play. Like, let's pick you up and like go. He's like, no, like they should be the meanest people on the field. I was very happy with that. It was totally a random thought. I said something to Jeff Howe. He was sitting next to me in the press box. And I was like, finally, like, and of Christian Jones. Like, I was glad to see like him not only just push the guy out of the way, but follow up with the next play and just maul him and continue to maul him after he celebrated over the quarterback. That to me is what you want to see in the offensive line. The fact that Christian Jones being the veteran guy, kind of the guy that everyone probably is like, oh, when's he going to be overtaken by a freshman, you know, as a starting position or starting player? I like seeing that. I like seeing that type of dog mentality. But when you talk about the younger players, I really I feel like the offense line is whole. I'll have to go back and and rewatch the game, you know, intently. But I do feel like the offensive line, the starting offense line as a whole um, did their jobs probably better than I would have expected them to chip. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought Kelvin Banks and Cole Hudson um, handled themselves well. They need to finish blocks uh, better. I think that's that's sort of the nature of a high school uh, mentality that if I just get in the way of my guy um, for a couple seconds, then the play will unfold and we'll make yards. That doesn't happen in college. If you don't finish your guy, there's a real good chance he's going to end up back in the play, making the play. Um, but some real positives about the offense. But Taylor, we've been talking all offseason that this season was going to be made or broken by the Texas defense and whether or not it could improve uh, against the run because last year Texas gave up 5.2 yards per carry, second worst in school history. And tonight, outside of a garbage time, 23-yard uh, rushing touchdown, uh, Texas, for the most part, had limited ULM to uh, 71 yards rushing. Now, they did end up giving up 92 yards rushing on 41 carries. That's 2.2 yards per carry. And look, ULM has an experienced offense. They had eight starters back. And look, it's not a great team. It went four and eight last year, but the most experience was on the offensive side. You wanted to see this Texas defense shut them down. And until total garbage time in the final three minutes of the game, uh, when that 23 yard rushing touchdown occurred, I thought that the defense did swarm. I thought we saw, um, DeMarvin Overshawn making plays. Baron Sorrell made, uh, he had a, I, I thought he deserved credit for, uh, two sacks. They gave him a sack and a half and gave the other half to Ovi Agofu. Um, but I liked what Baron Sorrell was doing. And then my guy, Jalen Gilbo gets the pressure that, that leads to the hurried throw and the deflected pass that Deshaun Jameson uh, grabs and turns into a pick six. I, I saw Jalen Gilbo all over the place. He got the start tonight at nickel. As I said, in the insider, he was a co-starter with Jade Barron. I think Gilbo is going to be a star. He showed no fear in, in his performance tonight. And 
you know, I loved all the substitution. I mean, I, everybody outside of Jaleel Billingsley and Ajay Hall and Alfred Collins, it seemed, played in this game. Uh, Billingsley, as we reported in the Insider, suspended. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian confirmed that, said it's a six-game suspension over an NCA issue while he was at Alabama last year. Uh, Ajay Hall back with the team, but uh, did not play. He was dressed, but did not play. And Alfred Collins sat out uh, with an injury. So everyone else, it seems, played Taylor. And I just thought the defense, uh, they did swarm. They made plays, big plays. And uh, there was a little bit of pass rush. And there was some run defense. So those are the two things they were terrible at last year. And it, it was better. Now, here comes Alabama. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say, like, the you have to you take wins where you can i think especially on the defensive side well especially for texas in general let's you know we talk about ulm being a four and 18 texas five and seven i mean both were sitting at home when bowl games were going on yeah so um so you know you want to see progress on both sides of the ball obviously but when i think with the defense the defense was such an up and down experiment i almost feel like last season so seeing the it kind of play more as a cohesive unit. Steve Sarkeesian has been talking about that throughout the off season. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, like, I'm like, that sounds great. It also sounded great last year when you were talking about the defense, you know, like positives about the defense and look at what happened. But I feel like you did kind of see that a little bit. Now I'm still kind of taking it chip with a little bit of a grain of salt just because of the fact you have to consider the opponent a bit, but still, I feel like um, if they're on the if the defense is on the same page, you're almost certainly going to get a better product as a whole. I feel like, and and if you don't, then it's like then Texas clearly did not recruit the right guys. But I don't think that's the case. I don't. I think that Texas has a lot of talent. There's 35 new players on this team. You know, you mentioned Jalen Gilbo. He was a guy before his suspension back in, in um, winter conditioning, you know, that was really standing out, catching the attention. At the time, everyone thought that he was going to take over the starting role from Deshaun Jameson. Obviously, he had that suspension, but it led to him kind of filling a different need and Jameson kind of answering the call of, um, you know, being almost overpassed by a true freshman. And then he steps up and has, you know, from what we heard, an incredible offseason, one of the best fall camps, was making plays, had the leading interceptions in fall camp, all of that. So all together, I feel like um, what we, at least from the the small glimpse that we did see against ULM, what we've been hearing from Steve Sarkeesian and the the players kind of came to fruition a little bit. And that that to me is a is a good first sign, Chip. I, I'm not going to say that it's going to be the, the same next week. I just don't know. I think that I'm still a little in the show me, don't tell me, but it's really good to kind of, you know, after all of our years covering uh, Texas football and college football in general, when you hear things in the off season and then you see the opposite on the field, it's like, I can't trust anything that you say, like nothing, you know? And so I did feel like we saw some of the positive, um, the plot positive glimpses from the defense that everybody was talking about um, inside the program and, you know, to the media throughout the off season. And I feel like you have to take that as a positive step for the future. Now you want to see it continue, obviously, but still, I feel like that, that deserves some credit there. Yeah. Yeah. And 
we saw DeMarvin Overshawn in that uh, strong side linebacker role rushing uh, when they were down near the goal line. Uh, Texas had a four-man line and Overshawn outside of that four-man line rushing, beat the guard inside. I don't know why they didn't call it a sack. The quarterback had just like gone through his play action fake and Overshawn just, I mean, just ambushed him for a six yard loss. And that was after the Quinn Ewers interception. And that forced ULM to kick a field goal because they had first and goal at the five. They ended up with third and goal from the two. And then that's when Overshawn, you know, came through uh, on that rush, dropped uh, the quarterback for a six-yard sack. They end up kicking a 25-yard field goal. But we saw a little bit. Now, this was a, a vanilla uh, game plan from Texas. There's supposed to be a lot more coming uh, <laughs> next week against Alabama. We've heard you know, little rumblings that Gary Patterson's been working on this game Uh Come, trying to come up with ways to flummox Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young and this Alabama offense. And so there's all that that, that we have to look forward to uh, a week from today, Taylor. But I did think there were some good things. Now, okay, if we're going to nitpick, obviously the Quinn Ewers interception. Um, uh, Isaac Pearson, my man had a tough night tonight. He was the holder on the field goal attempt <laughs> uh, that uh, that Burt Auburn shanked and just squibbed, really, because Isaac Pearson dropped the snap, tried to get it down. It was way too late. Auburn just kind of you know scribbled it off to the left. And then uh, later in the game, Isaac Pearson drops a punt snap, ends up running and uh, and and trying to punt, uh, but. You know that that's first game stuff. It'll it'll calm down. I mean, Isaac Pearson getting his first chance to to really be the guy. So some nitpicks here and there. Um, Jalen Ford did not have a tackle Taylor into the fourth quarter, and that that was a concern because he is the middle linebacker. Now again, Texas played well against the run. Uh, I. I don't have the stats up right in front of me to to see if Jalen Ford finished with a tackle or not, but I've got them here. Let me as see. As the starting middle linebacker, I figured he should be in on more plays, but um, it was um, Overshone leading the team with eight tackles and Baron Sorrell with six. You got yeah. the stat? I do not. Sorry, I'm trying to see if there. Yeah, he didn't. He's not even listed in the defensive stats. So no, he did not um, get any type of stat on defense. That's not crazy. just tackles, like nothing. Now, uh, listen, I got to go back and watch the film. Maybe he was where he was supposed to be on every single play, plugging a hole, forcing a run to bounce. I just, I, I know he missed a couple tackles. I saw, so he needs to settle down because they need him to be a difference maker. Um, well, well, you know, again, uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey got a lot of playing time tonight. He's the one who's allowed Overshone to move into that pass rushing role. Um, but a ton of guys played. I mean, you name it, they played. It was everybody from Ethan Burke, the freshman, to Prince Dorba, you name it. 
Um, and and so Charles Wright got in there. Charles Wright, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> he wasn't even the third team quarterback last year. He was behind uh, walk on Ben Ballard. So Charles Wright uh, trying to get his his game going. Um, Hudson Card did get in the game. Taylor it was it was rough, and Jonathan Brooks uh, looked good. Um, and, and so before we get to Alabama, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back here on the flagship podcast post game and talk about the Crimson Tide. Let's real quick, turn our attention to Alabama and we'll, and we'll, we'll, we'll have a ton more on Alabama this week, obviously, but it was interesting in the post game, Taylor, because. Of course, every player was asked about that game and what's the mindset. And I thought Jatavian Sanders said it best. He said, we have to have the best week of practice of our lives because we can easily get blown out if we don't execute our game plan. And I think that is that is cold, hard truth, folks. And and you want to hear that from your redshirt freshman tight end that he sounds like a guy who's ready to yell uh, to all of his teammates, hey, if we don't get on point this week with everything in practice, uh, we could get blown out here. And and so I think that's where – that's a realistic look at this picture, Taylor. Alabama is a juggernaut, uh, the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback, Will Anderson and Dallas Turner, pass rushers who combined for over 25 sacks last year. Will Anderson, a Heisman finalist, and some I mean, he's, I'm a Heisman Trophy voter. I'm watching this guy uh, up close and personal on Saturday uh, at 11 against Texas because I want to. I just want to see for myself just how uh, dominant this guy is and what makes him special. But there's a lot coming uh, Texas's way next Saturday at 11 a.m. Yeah, there is. And and I think that the added attention on this game is going to make it even bigger. You know, the the reality is Texas football has really not been in the consistent big game environment, you know, for several years. I mean, Alabama, it's like they they've been there. They they it's the culture is from the experience a lot of times, I think. And and obviously Alabama they want to win the national championship because they felt like they would have won it if their receiver, Jamison Williams, didn't get hurt. Yeah, and, and Nick Saban called that a rebuilding year when they finished as a runner-up. I mean, like that that's the difference of where the two programs are, but I do think that the additional attention of college game day, you know, coming to Austin, I imagine the Fox Big Noon kickoff show is going to be on the scene too. For sure, the, the lead broadcast team is... Um, I have not looked into the details of see if that will be there too. But there's there's just there's already been so much attention on this game. Last time Texas Alabama faced each other was in the two thousand or two thousand nine season, the BCS national title game. That was Nick Saban's first um, national championship win at Alabama as the head coach of Alabama. And then I mean, just the the storylines are endless. Honestly, when you look at this matchup, it's been that way. This has been a game that everybody's kind of the marquee game on the Texas football schedule, the, one of the marquee games of the college football non-conference season um, for 2022. But Texas has not been in a position where that's been the case consistently, consistently where Alabama has. So I think that what you're going to learn a lot about Texas is 
really how much the culture change is is actually taking effect. Now, I'm not going to say if Texas loses this game, it means that the culture is poor or anything like that. I'm not saying anything along those lines. What I am saying is when you face a team like Alabama, you know, there's there's going to be struggles. Obviously, I don't think anybody's expecting Texas to win. But what you don't want to see is some of those those season, the issues from last season kind of creep on over like, oh, gosh, we're about to get rolled here. And then they do, you know. And so I, I think that that's probably going to be something to watch if you're a Texas fan. And if you see a team that is playing together against Alabama, even if they lose by two touchdowns or, you know, whatever, three touchdowns or something like that, if you see a team that's cohesive and not fracturing and, you know, splintering when the adversity strikes, you have to take those little moral victories a little bit as a win um, because you're not in Alabama. You're not, you're not a, a, powerhouse college football program right now. Um, they historically have been, but they're not right now. And so um, there's going to be a ton of pressure on Texas, probably more pressure on Texas than, well, I don't know, maybe not, maybe more pressure on Alabama because everyone's going to expect Alabama to probably steamroll, um, especially with uh, you know Nick Saban's track record against his former assistant coaches. There's plenty of former assistant coaches on this team um, that have coached under uh, Nick Saban at Alabama too. So there's, there's a lot just going on with this game chip, but um, I mean, I, I want to ask you what, what, if you are watching this, I don't think you're going to expect Texas to, you're probably hoping that they cover and that's like a good day for Texas, I would imagine. But what, what is something that you are looking for that you think will be a sign positive or negative if you see it come next Saturday? Yeah. I want to see this team answer, you know, they're going to get punched in the mouth. And I thought it was interesting, uh, Jatavian Sanders, who was a quote machine after the, the game against ULM, said that uh, Keelan Robinson has already told him, you know, we have to punch them in the mouth. We have to throw the first punch. And look, Steve Sarkeesian has done a good job of, of getting his teams off to good starts. We saw it last year against Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Baylor. Uh, they couldn't finish. So let's see if Texas can get off to a good start like they did tonight. I mean, the the blocking of, of that punt, they, they saw something in ULM's scheme that they felt like they could exploit. They absolutely did it. They came after that punt. They blocked it. They scored a touchdown. Um, Steve Sarkeesian's teams have gotten off to good starts. Can they throw a punch? And then keep throwing punches because we know Alabama is relentless. And there's a lot of fresh faces out there for Texas, including the quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who handled adversity against Louisiana Monroe. How does he handle it when it's Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and his freshman offensive linemen are going, whoa, I'm in graduate school right now uh, in football. and and, and it's just the first quarter. So, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's got a game plan, all of that. And then, of course, defensively, you've got to find a way to, to rattle Bryce Young. I mean, and I've said what you said, cover, you know, just cover and, and look good doing it. Fight to the end. Uh, build. you got to build on your your failures so that you get tougher and you get smarter and you 
get calluses that help you win games down the road because the big 12 is wide open and who knows if, if Texas can like really uh, get better in a, in a hurry, no matter what happens next Saturday, who knows? Um, they got weapons. They got weapons on offense. There's no doubt about it. And Quinn Ewers can throw it from any angle. He's smart. He's improvisational. I uh, got a little Grady there at the beginning, but he handled it. And, and now let's see, because there's a whole bunch of adversity coming next Saturday, how they handle it and, and can they grow from it and not splinter uh, like we saw of, over time in that uh, season last year where it spiraled into a six-game losing streak. So uh, let's see how they handle the big stage. No one's expecting them to win. Uh, I think a lot of people are expecting them to get blown out because if you turn the ball over against Alabama, they turn it into points typically, and and that can, that can get you down. And so it's going to be fun. It's going to be wild. We know Texas will try to throw deep. We know, we know Bryce Young can throw deep. And we're, we, we know Quinn Ewers will try to throw deep. He tried against ULM, couldn't connect, but uh, a lot of big catch and run plays and uh, Texas, you know, 52 points, one touchdown by the defense, one touchdown by special teams. So what is that? 38 points from the offense. It's, it's a good day at the office. Yeah, no, it definitely is for sure. Um, and let's be honest. UTSA looked pretty dang good too today in that they did lose to Houston, but a three overtime loss of a team that's supposed to be rebuilding. So this uh, non-conference slate for Texas um, is not going to get much easier even after Alabama, I don't think, Chip. Yeah. I mean, Frank Harris, the uh, eighth year quarterback at UTSA, <laughs> he's going to watch the film and realize he had a a tight end wide open on that two point conversion that he missed that, that, that ended up being the last play of the game in triple overtime. Um, but Houston's ranked number 24 went 12 and two last year. So did UTSA, but yeah, that is not going to be a gimme at all. So it's, it's, you've got to have that big growth between the first and second game. Let's see uh, what this Texas Longhorns team uh, can improve on and and from a vanilla uh, game plan in a 52 to 10 win over uh, a four and eight Sun Belt team from last year uh, with the number one team in the country coming into Austin, Texas, along with Flowrider Taylor. <laughs> Flowrider jeans. Has he had a song since then? <laughs> what I don't was think that? so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Flowrider was announced uh, tonight as the Longhorn City Limits band for the Alabama game. So, I mean, it's going to be big. It, it Fox, ESPN, Flowrider, and Horns 24-7. <laughs> we'll all be there. We will. All right. Hey, thanks for... Uh, for dialing in and make sure that you are locked in to Horns 24-7, uh, the podcasts, the uh, Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. We're going to be blowing out the Alabama coverage this week, so just keep tuning in. You will not be disappointed. 
ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for uh, hanging out with us. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Everybody stay safe and keep the faith.